May you impart the revelation that I got. And may this set some people free in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> I might have to take it in and out. This morning, um, one of the things before I start, when Val Cole's mom died, I sent her a text. Val had gone to her mom's house. And I don't know, Karen, can you remember? It was in the morning or at night. I think it was at night. And Val decided to uh, surprise her because she didn't know that she was, she was coming. And so she gets her shofar out and she begins to blow it. And her mom thought it was a rapture. <laughs> so it almost freaked her out. <laughs> so I thought now she's hearing the trumpet sounds of the angels. And she doesn't have to wait any longer to be with, with, Val, uh, with the Lord. <clears throat> well, Rick got sick. I got sick first. And, um, and then by the end of the week, Friday, I think it was, all at once Rick started getting what I got. And <clears throat> as he was laying there, I thought, he isn't going to be able to make it. I said, you better call Kurt or Kevin because he's not going to do, he's not, you're not going to be able to do this. And as I sat there, I thought, no, nah, maybe I want to do this one. So I thought, I'm going to take this one. So I'm going to share what I've shared before and expound on it. I've shared in the beginning of church a revelation, a vision that I had. And I, I can't even can't even tell you now when it was, <clears throat> but I will tell you this, study the word, study different books. What you put in, you're going to forget. It, you're you're going to forget half of the stuff that you put in, but at the right time, the Holy Spirit will call that forth and give you revelation. So don't worry about what you can maintain, because I hear it over and over, I forget what I've read. It doesn't matter. So I studied, what, in 2020? Um, I got the war room revelation, and Kevin uh, started talking to me about uh, this book, The Unseen Realm, and so I took... I took the women through it while I was trying to go through it. And, um, and then I taught a class, I started a class and then it got canceled and it, it came, you know, came back around. I read this book through twice. I'm on the third time. And, um, there was a lot of stuff that the Lord put in me, but I did not remember all of it. And so, at some point, and I'm trying to remember when this was, it was either two years ago or a year and a half or I don't know. I was worshiping, praying, and the Lord literally gave me a vision in my, my spirit man. And what I saw, and I've shared this with you before, what I saw was Jesus on the cross. And I saw this hordes of demons just bombarding and, and pulling at him. And, and it was horrendous what I saw. But that wasn't the thing that the Lord wanted me to see. 
What he wanted me to see uh, at that time was the, the host of heaven, the warrior angels, and the look on this one lead angel's face. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And I'm looking at this face, and I went, I can feel now. I went, oh my gosh, this is his commander in chief. This is the one he knows who created mankind and angels and Elohim and whatever you want to call them, watchers. And now they've got, and they have power. And they've got to stand down to these fellow spirits that fell to to the offsprings of the watcher spirits that are demonic and horrendous and they're not allowed to do a thing they are standing there and they've got to watch this thing take place and when I saw the look because you know that they have this love for the Messiah they have this love for God, for Jesus, for the Son, for the Holy Spirit. You know that they have been created and they've been with him in the thrones of heaven and they, they chose not to do what the watcher angels and the other angels did. They chose to stay with him and they love him and they are loved by God. They're called sons of God. And when I saw that face, I began to weep. Because I had realized that that suffering was not for their fellow angels that had fallen. Even for them, it was for me. It was for us. It was for humans that are even lower than the angels. How could this be? I'm, I'm was, I watched, I looked at this and I thought, could I have done it? They were obedient and loved the, the master so much that they literally stood down. And I, I remember it, it just, the love that God had for me was just, it just overflowed me. So <clears throat> the other day, about two weeks ago, I'm sitting on my couch it's early in the morning, and um, I'm getting bombarded. Don't even ask me what I'm getting bombarded for. I, I don't even remember now completely. I know it was failure. I know it was dreams that never came true. I know it was the older I get, the worse I am. And I think, am I ever going to change? Am I ever going to be what I'm supposed to be? Um, and there was just this bombardment coming at me. And a little bit mix of what is going on in our earth. Will Jesus come back? Will we go through the tribulation? Will things get better? Will Trump come? I mean, all of this was just bombarding me, just hitting at me. <clears throat> and I felt this hopelessness. And I'm sitting there and I went, I'm not going to sit under this for very long. And I got up, went downstairs, and I started worshiping. 
Now, Rick has been teaching to strengthen yourself in the Lord, to take the word and use it. It's, it's, a, it's a weapon. And so I thought, I, I know I, I have got to start worshiping. So I'm pacing. Oh, Jesus, you are so good. Oh, the love of God. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you that you accepted me. Thank you that you died for me. And I just continue. And all at once, and I'm, I'm still feeling the weight. Have you done that? Have you gone to worship? And the weight doesn't budge. It just stays there. And all at once, the master rebukes me. And he said, do you remember this vision I gave you? And I remembered. I saw the angel again. I saw Jesus on the cross. I saw these hordes of demons attacking him. He said, I did that so that you didn't have to deal with this. I did that so that you wouldn't put up with torment. I did that. And he said, what are you doing putting up with this? And I went, you're right. And I turned and it was this thing lifted and it was gone. I'm here to tell you today that if you are allowing the enemy to put Fear, fear of death, fear of your family's death, fear of no job, fear of what's coming down the pike on you, that's torment. If you are allowing the enemy to say you're too old, you've screwed up, you, you're never going to make what you wanted, uh, your dreams are all gone, that is the enemy. One person said this, it's easier for you to be, for the Lord to take sin off of you then hopelessness. Why? Because hopelessness is on our part. Will we believe what Jesus did or won't we? So if you're hopeless, it's on your part. Because the word says that he died for you, that he, he was raised, and that he has a plan for you. And I went, oh my gosh, and he said, if you're sitting there and you're allowing the enemy to tell you how stupid you are or how worthless you are or how bad you are or, in my case, how mean you are, that's your fault. I died and I took that torment so that you didn't have to take it. And I went... Guilty is charged, and I, I will repent. And I turn around, and I go, no more. Now, <clears throat> let me go and give you, turn with me to Psalms 22. Let me, let me back this up with the word. So, it is so cool that that the Lord, through this book, The Unseen Realm, um, placed in me the understanding of the bulls of Bashan. 
And so someone was reading out of this scripture, and I looked at that, and I thought, oh, wow, that is really cool. And then I went, oh, my gosh. Psalms 22 is about Jesus' death. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of groaning. Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. You ever feel that way? Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and in you, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I'm a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag their heads saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. What they're saying is, hey, Jesus, if you're really the son of God, what are you doing up there? You could have cried out to God and he would have taken you down. You're not the son of God. Yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. You made me trust when upon my mother's breast. Upon you I was cast from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Be not far from me for trouble is near. <laughs> She's definitely going to be heard. <laughs> Verse 12, many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. This is a picture of Jesus on the cross. And these are the bulls of Bashan. Now turn with me to Psalm 68. Sixty-eight, fifteen. It was, a, it was a scripture that I would read and I'd go, what? This makes no sense whatsoever. A mountain of God is the mountain of Bashan. A mountain of many peaks is the mountain of Bashan. Why do you look with envy, O mountain with many peaks, at the mountain which God has desired for his abode? Surely the Lord will dwell there forever. What? A mountain of God is the mountain of Bashan. What does that mean? I'm thinking, why would he say that the mountain of God was Bashan? And then why would they say that it was envious of God's mountain? It didn't make sense. But if you understood the Hebrew and the fact that it could be read because the word God here in Hebrew is Elohim and the I am on a word makes it plural at times. And so it, Elohim could be one God or Elohim could be many gods. Let me read this again. O mountain of gods is the mountain of Bashan 
A mountain of many peaks is the mountain of Bashan. Why do you look with envy, O mountains with many peaks, at the mountain which God has desired for his abode? Surely the Lord will dwell there forever. Did Adam leave? Okay. I'm going to show you Bashan. I'm going to show you the mountains. Do you see this? As I turn around. This happens to be Caesarea Philippi. It is called the gates of hell. Remember when Jesus went to Caesarea Philippi? And he looks at Peter and he says, upon me, upon you, I will build my church. Upon this rock, not upon him, but says Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. This is what he's looking at. And the gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, the church is going to defeat this demonic place. Go ahead, go to the next one, Ashley. There's a different look. See those little crevices? They would, they would put idols up in there and they would come and they would worship. Go ahead, go to the next one. Here's the ruins. There used to be temples. We're going to see what would look like the makeshift temples that they put up. And the god of Pan was the one that was worshipped in this place. He was known as the fertility god and the shepherd god. Okay? And a lot of times what would take place is that they would have orgies and all kind of crazy stuff would go on in these places. Go, there's the, the next one, this one. This is what it would have looked like that they're believing that it would have looked like during the time of Jesus. Now go to the next one. This is Caesarea Philippi at the bottom of the mountain. And in the top, in the, in the mountain range, is called Mount Hermon. Now Mount Hermon is the place that is said that the watcher angels came down and that's where they came when they decided to have offsprings of their own. And then they had the Nephilim and the Nephilim, when they died, released their spirit and because they were not human and because they were not completely angels, they were left here to roam the earth ravishing and destroying, that's what they do. They're demons. Not only did they fall, but other angels fell. And what you see at this place, Bashan is called the serpent. Um, it was, this place uh, was called Paneus because they worshipped Pan. We get the word panic from this God because he was, it was so evil what took place during this time that they actually began to use the word panic for fear and when things went terrible. So when you look at this, you realize Jesus comes into this area 
And he says, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The next thing he does, six days later, he goes up, they say, to a high mountain. And on that high mountain is the, the, the transfiguration is when, he is when he's transformed into the glory, glorious God. What's he doing here? What he's doing is what he wants us to do. He is making a declaration. He is telling the enemy that no more will the gates, your gates, be able to withstand what I'm going to do. That's what he's saying. And, and I was thinking about this as I was going through this and wanted to present this. I was thinking about the fact, so what it does is he goes up, which they believe, some play it, say it's somewhere else, but when you look at the scripture, he was in the area of Mount Hermon, and, and it says it was a high mountain, so he goes up to where the watcher angels come down. He goes up there, and he is transformed. He's saying, on this mountain where these angels came, and, and corrupted mankind even worse than what Satan started. They, they continued teaching them all kind of horrible things. And they became more corrupt. Jesus goes to that place, to the gates of hell. Then he goes up to Mount Hermon and he's transfigured. So the, the demons, the demon world... They've been watching him. They've been waiting for opportunities to get him. So Jesus goes up. He's transformed. He becomes the glorious Christ in those few moments. He is encouraged by Moses and Elisha, Elijah. And he comes back down. And what he's going to do is go to his death. Now think about the demons. Think about what they're doing. They're rejoicing. Because they don't understand what Jesus is going to accomplish. They're looking for opportunity to take him out. And because Judas and the, the Pharisees um, betray or don't want him because of the greed and, and the power struggle and, and the, whole, the whole bit. He's going to get betrayed and he's going to go to the cross. And while he's on the cross, they're going to do what I described at the very beginning. And they think They've won. Now, in the verse down in 68, I'm going to continue on. Why do you look with envy, O mountains? This is a prophetic word. O mountains with many peaks at the mountain which God has desired for his abode. They're jealous. Satan wants this world. The Elohim that have fallen want this world. They think they're getting it. The chariots of God are myriads, thousands upon thousands. 
Listen to this. The chariots of God are thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them as at Sinai in holiness. They know who they're up against. They know that there are myriads upon myriads. They know this. But they also know that, that, that if they can get humans to do what they want, they can, they can get their own way. And so what do they do? But they turn the Pharisees and Judas against the Lord and the people. And so they get them to crucify him. Continue on. So Jesus dies at this point. They're having a heyday. The Bible says they're having a heyday. They are, they are giving it to him but good. They think they've won this battle. Then it goes down and it says, you, in verse 18, you have ascended on high. You have led captive your captives. You have received gifts among men, even among the rebellious also, that the Lord God may dwell there. What does that mean? You have led captive your captives. Go to Colossians 2.15. Colossians 2.15 says this. I'm going to read 14 just to give you. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Now, go to Ephesians Go to Ephesians 4, 8. Paul, Paul quotes Psalm 68 here. So Colossians says he's made a public spectacle of who? Of the demons. Verse 8. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. He conquered. He conquered the enemy during this time. He is not completely under his feet. He has left him here and the other hordes for a while. But they don't have the power unless you give it to them. Unless you listen to their lies. And they will do to you what they did to Jesus. They will surround your head and try to bombard you until you give in to whatever it is they want you to give in to. If it's envy, if it's offense, if it's fear, if it's jealousy, if it's greed, if it's anger, they will bombard your head 
if you let them until you t- take a stand and use the word of the, sp- the the word of the Lord, the gift of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, and say enough. I will not, I do not have to put up with this any longer. You have to flee. It says, it says, um, he gave gifts to men. He gave you prophetic words. He gave you healing. He gave you wisdom and the gift of knowledge and the gift of tongues and a gift of interpretation and the gift of miracles. If we are just sitting here not going after them and, and saying, Lord, these are ours. If we don't take risk and use them, they mean nothing. And the word that Jesus died for, the thing that he died for, will be undone. It'll be undone. And then the enemy can wipe you up on the floor. Or you can stand and say, I don't have to put up with this. I don't have to put up with this. Enough. Enough. Um, I was going to go. I forget where I was going to go. I was going to go to. um, Oh, well, I don't know where I was going to go. Except for this. Jesus said. I've given you apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. I've given you helps. I've given you people that will give. I've given you exhortation. I've given you um, works of healing. I've given you gifts of faith. I've given you everything you need. What are you doing? What are you doing with what I've given you? I got rebuked. I really did. I don't know how he talks to you, but he wasn't. He, he wasn't all fellows. You shouldn't let that happen. He was like, what are you doing? You know, that'd be how I would sound. You, you kind of hear the Lord through your own voice. Like, I'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, why are you putting up with that? You can hear me say it. Why are you putting up with that? If a woman was getting abused by her husband or vice versa, if the husband was getting abused by the wife, you would look at that person and say, what are you thinking? You don't have to put up with this. And Jesus wants, the word of the Lord today is, what are you doing? Why are you putting up with this? Amen. (laughs) I, I was excited to share this. Now, one more. That's where I wanted to go. Thank you, Lord. He must have wanted it said. If you go to 2 Corinthians 12... And start in verse 7. Someone, uh, it was actually, it was um, Robin Bullock that said how he interpreted this. And I went, ooh, that's a good interpretation. 
Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. When we are getting tormented, it's usually out of our weakness. When the enemy is messing with us, it's usually out of our weakness. You might have sinned. You might have gotten angry. You might have had feelings of lust. You might have had feelings of envy, jealousy. You might have talked about somebody. You might have lied because you were going to get in trouble. (laughs) You might have boasted and was proud about something. And that's when the enemy can come in. And that's when he can nail you. True? That's when he comes in. When you're lazy and don't want to do what the Lord tells you to do. When you're disobedient. When, I mean, there, I, can, I can go on and on. I think I, I have had everyone that's out there. So I could cover all of you guys. <laughs> But Jesus said something here. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Robin Bullock made this comment, and he said, some people think, I don't know if he said this, I I know in the past some people think that it was sickness that was buffeting him. He said, my interpretation is this. He murdered people. He persecuted people. And in some of these crowds, their family members would be there. Some of them might be saved and some of them might not. And he was the one that had them put in jail. He was the one that had them stoned. And he was cheering and was arrogant about it. And now he is going from town to town And he's got to look in some of these people's faces, some of the kids that his parents were put in prison. Do you really think it didn't bug him? I can imagine what he felt like when he had to stand there. And it's like, will you please take these guys away? (laughs) Will you shut them up? Will you do something? Will you forget my memory? Have you ever felt that way? Please, Lord, just get rid of my memory, you know? And, oh, that person just reminded me of what I did a long time ago. God, why don't they forget what I did, you know? And the Lord says, my grace, my forgiveness for you, my covering It's sufficient. It's sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you to fight the enemy. 
It's sufficient. Now, get busy. Do what you're called to do. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Let, let's raise your hands. Let's pray. Father, I pray that the revelation you gave me that, that, that day that was so precious, that you paid a price, you put up with that torment, that harassment, that jeering, that your beard being pulled out, you, you being beaten, you put up with that so that we didn't have to because you forgave us and you covered us with the blood. And every time we screw up, you cover us with the blood when we repent, when we ask for forgiveness. And even when we don't know what we've done, as we are fellowshipping with you, you cover us with grace in the blood. Therefore, it is wrong for us to continue to sit under this torment. And so, Lord, we repent right now for not using your blood and your grace like we need to. Give us power. Give us revelation that we will use your word, that we will praise you, that we will magnify your name. For you said, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You said, praise me. You said, lift my name, make me higher than what you're hearing in your ear. You said, I'm the God. I'm the God that bought you back and I defeated the enemy. Now straighten up. <laughs> Stand up tall. Don't put up with that stuff. We just thank you. And praise you, Jesus, for what you did. And we don't want to dishonor your blood or your authority. In Jesus' mighty name.